What up, young slum lords and ladies? This is Jake Lapp, and welcome to the Young Slum Lords Podcast, where me and Caleb Henshaw talk our shiz and hopefully help spark the idea for finding your financial independence in this paycheck-to-paycheck world. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Young Slum Lord Podcast. Sorry about being a little behind on our release. We have been busy little bees. Just got this new place, got moved in, got everything kind of ready to the point that we can move in, got our stuff moved out, got the other unit cleaned up. You know, and that stuff takes time. So we haven't really had the time to uh, to pot it up. But here we are. Things are calming down a little bit, and we're uh, ready to uh, tell you guys about it. This episode, I wanted to talk about a few things. We wanted to talk about one, like kind of the the rehab so far and what we've been doing on this new property, and then go into a little bit about how the old tenant going out, existing tenants staying, using the binder method, getting the new tenants in at the other place that's still has yet to come, but it's happening soon. Caleb is working on deal number two, kind sure. of some stuff that he's working. Some off-market shenanigans. Some off-market shenanigans. And then just kind of a, a little look into the market right now and stuff we've been seeing and looking at with friends and whatnot. And then kind of some stuff that we want to do with the podcast and with the community in the future, um, like meetup-wise and some stuff that we're doing that way. So Drop a new merch soon. Keep an eye out for that. We're yeah, getting yeah. That. If you've been on the Instagram, you would have seen it. But yeah, keep an eye out. With that, we're going to get right into the rehab. So like... We broke down the numbers for this place already. Purchase price, 208. Seller assist, 4.5%. 15% down, owner-occupied loan. Total cash to close was around 35000 And with that, we had two rents that were way below market. We had the one-bedroom downstairs renting for 800 a month and the four-bedroom upstairs also renting for 800 a month had a little bit of a a pickle there and not to forget this duplex should have been you know listed for like 60 to 80k more than what you initially well then what i got it for and and it was what it was originally listed at the original list price was 260 but because of improper listing a bad picture a bad description that left out oh it's got two brand new gas boilers oh it's got a five-year-old roof all these like really important details that were just left out and then on top of all that the listing agent told me that the sellers were extremely motivated because they were doing a 1031 exchange you can't do that as a listing agent either like she just really dropped the ball for her sellers but it was to my gain and you know, they didn't lose money on it either. Yeah, so those, those good deals are out there. They they're still, still there. Uh, definitely. And it's like, it's funny. I'll talk to someone from a different market and they're just like, oh, my market is not like that. I could not find a deal like that in my market. And it's like, if you ask everyone in my market, they would tell you the same exact thing, that our market is not like that, that good deals are not out there, that you cannot find motivated sellers today. But there is, and it's it's kind of stupid, and I've, I've been, like, saying this more often, but, like, manifesting your freaking desires and your goals works, I think. Like, for me, like, it's something that, you know, the end of this year, 
you know, when this it's coming up July 9th of that's when our settlement was this year, next year around July 9th, I've got a great feeling that I'm going to get another killer deal, whether it's a duplex or triplex or quadruplex, whether, whether it's, I haggled it down or it's just going to become available or whatever it is. Like it's, it's happened for the last three. It's the, when things were ready, I put the work in on my end and you saw results. And that's consistent for people that you talk to who do this regularly, regularly. It's a consistent thing. And it's like, well, how, like, how do you consistently find good deals? And it's like by consistently or just being there to get them when they pop up. I mean, when I got my duplex, it was the exact same situation. Houses were going way over and going fast, yet I still found a sub 200 duplex, you know, just yeah. like that. And so that's that's that. But, oh, I didn't even mention, we're actually also part of the reason everything was delayed is now the podcast setup is at my place. Got a new desk, got a new little setup here, had some more room. So that's exciting. Duplex to duplex. Dupe to dupe. Only like two blocks away from Caleb's <laughs> duplex. So it's a nice little uh, long board over. Yeah. So then go- going back to like so far what we've done rehab wise, the front, I- I'm I'm really big on the, the curb appeal for all, all my places. I- that's one of like the first things that I'm excited about. That's one of the first things that it's like you put however much money into it and like you can see it and like everyone who walks up can sees it, can see it the new tenants can see it the neighbors all can see it and like i think even just the neighbor thing the the amount of neighbors that came over while we're out there painting and replacing the deck pulling out the weeds and mulching and you know doing all that stuff like the neighbors all appreciate it like there's a lot of people you know, who've lived somewhere their whole life and are used to just a slumlord owning the that multifamily. And then when you come in and you're working your balls off and they're like, wow, this is actually nice. Like this guy just raised the value of my house $5,000. Like that's real. And like, and, and tenants see it too. Like you can tell when there's like, you actually cared about what something looked like and when like you just needed it to pass. So like, you know, we came in, it was a freaking jungle. We weeded out, filled up the, the bed of the truck with weeds, dug it out, put some plastic down, put some mulch over. I got the mulch for free from work and I actually ended up using painter's plastic. I don't think that's the right plastic you're s- supposed to use for, for mulching, but nothing's poked up yet. The It had the original decking on the front deck and the back deck. It was about 250 square feet. and 100-year-old wood. Yeah. Literally day one, we're over there scraping and Caleb steps through steps through the deck yep. and was like, all right, this is a good call. We should be replacing this deck. Like this is, it, it's time. So got all new tracks, which ended up being about like $4 and 90 cents per square foot, plus the fasteners, plus all the other stuff. You know, I want to say with, cause I, I bought a bunch of stuff. I'll, I'll do the, the full cost for everything. How much was that second trip you made? It was only, so one of them I returned. I got three more boards. They're each like 30 bucks. So like it was another, you know, 80 bucks, but one of them I returned. And then, well, there was, what else? I I bought something else that I needed when I went. I don't know. You think like a ballpark 1150 for everything? Yeah. And also 
Shout out to Callie, our homie, works at Lowe's, hooked us up with the 10% off employee discount, which, uh, you know, for $1,200 is 120 bucks. So that, yeah. that was cool. Um, definitely, definitely appreciate that. You know, I'm always looking at the coupons, always trying to get the discount because it's the same thing, you know, whether you get it for a discount or not, it's, you just got to try to get the discount. And the sketchiest drive back from Lowe's ever. That too. That too. We, uh, Trex is super slippery. It's like freaking glass and had a ton of ratchet straps, you know, had them, they were all 16 foot sex pieces and, they were slipping and sliding they, the whole time. Yeah, like we had them strap, strapped down. I think the Caleb ended up sitting in the back of the truck, just kind of like, holding them. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was gonna, it was more of like I'm a yell to you. Yeah, when if they, they start sliding too bad, in my head it's like when do you start flying? Yeah, I'm, I'm a yell, but like it actually turned out okay. We made it back with all of them. You know, we drove back. It wasn't too far, a couple blocks away, 15 miles per hour. You know, kept kept it kept it pretty breezy, but. Oh yeah, the, I bought the side skirts and stuff. Also, uh, the that, PVC stuff. Yeah, the PVC trim pieces. Um, so yeah, I I think with with that stuff, the paint. I I had the paint already, and then the lattice. I got new lattice, but then for the frames for the lattice, I used scrap pieces of the treks that I had to actually to frame them out. I um, think the funny thing is, is like out of everything that we did, the biggest difference was painting. Like by far. Oh, for sure. And like all the work that was put in, like replace the actual deck part. Like mm-hmm. it made like a difference, but like you know you can't really see it right from the from the sidewalk. Yeah. The paint, you know, that's all you see. Yeah. So that was one of the worst things. Like the it, all the paint was falling off. It. I think I put probably a good twelve hours into prepping, just scraping and then sanding with my orbital handheld like battery powered sander and then caleb came over and we started painting it got two coats on it what do we use the bare you know base or the it's like the second level grade like paint primer in one exterior i think i use satin because it's just what i had normally for the trim i'd use the semi-gloss but i i used the satin because that's what i had of extra it was like 100 degrees out, mm-hmm. went to Rita's a few times, yep. and then it started raining right towards the end, yep. painting in the rain. Turns out you can paint in the rain. <laughs> if you're under a roof. That's, that, that's the I only... Was, I was getting rain like on the paint <laughs> as I was painting. That's why I came back and looked at that one spot. Yeah. I thought yeah I don't... Turns out you can paint in the rain. I, I wouldn't tell people to, <laughs> to start painting in the rain. Definitely wouldn't recommend painting in the rain, but... You know, when, when you get into a little pinch and there's a little spot that gets, you know, you'll be all right. But so got all that done, the front and the back deck. We put the, originally I was going to put just a, a thin plastic like veneer over the front so I didn't have to paint the, the trim board. And then because we overhung the, the trim piece, the amount that we did, I needed something actually sturdy there holding it so i needed a one by eight to so i was like about to buy a wood one by eight and then buy a veneer and then put that on that and then i found uh just they have a one by eight one by eight sections of the pvc stuff so that eliminated a step and was able to you know jack keep that in there and like wedge it in and and nail it in 
That did make a huge difference, though, that white around the bottom. Yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. And the new lattice, like, everything is is new. It, I was really tempted to take out the railings. You know, that took so much of my time prepping and painting. Um, but they're really old. They have a lot of character to them. And oh, the ban- like the old banisters? Yeah. The wood ones? Yeah. No, we were looking at it in Lowe's. The plastic, like PVC banisters and the railing parts, to just cut them out and replace them. But I don't think it would have looked right. No, it, it's you know that's the that's the easier thing to do. That's what a lot of people do, and but people appreciate the character. People appreciate you know holding that stuff. And if you go in our apartment, you know it's a lot of that. It's a there's a a ton of character, a lot of like really solid old trim, like someone took their time when they were building this stuff and like tenants, not all tenants, but a lot of tenants and a lot of, you know, just people in general really notice it and appreciate it. So two sets of pocket doors with the original wood finish on it. Like I'm so mad the pocket doors I have are painted. Mm -hmm. You can't fix that unless you like take, you know, days of sanding and refinishing them. But yeah, they look, this whole place is just full of finished hardwood. Yeah. It's awesome. It's beautiful. So that was pretty much all outside, or that's all we've done so far outside. I put two new mailboxes up. I, that's always a, a key one because over the years, people will kind of mismatch them and then they get worn out. And, you know, we just put two brand new, you know, they're like 50 bucks at Home Depot and they're just sharp, you know, got some lettering, new gentrified letters on the side yep. of the, the house. I, I didn't do the gentrified ones, but the... <laughs> You know, some new stuff, new floor mats. What about the biggest difference between coming from your middle unit in Satterton to now having an end unit? Yeah, so now the one of the biggest, the biggest expense I've faced as a landlord is now looming over me. Um, I actually paid the majority of it. So we, what Caleb was saying with our, the last duplex or where we were living the last time, you know, we had a total of like four or five windows because we're a middle unit. It's just two windows in the bedroom in the front of the house and two, uh, like two and a half windows in the back of the house, like the kitchen and stuff. And now this property has 26 windows and that's not counting the basement windows either. 26 windows and they're huge. They're none of them are standard size. Like all this beautiful trim that we're talking about, like the windows match. Like we've got four feet wide windows, you know, single pane. The original windows, they're gorgeous, but they suck for noise and heat and cold. Like for everything. There's no screens. Like they're just old. And I wanted to get into that in a little bit, but I'll, I'll get into it now with the, the tenants upstairs, you know, I had, we did the binder method and we'll get into that in a little bit. But like, I asked them like, what was something that I could do to make the place nicer for them? I wanted to do, you know, something. And the first thing that without hesitation was like new windows, you know, when we went through the open house, even now during the summer, like there's still saran wrap over top of each window because of the amount of heat and cool that is lost in these very inefficient windows. And the radiators are all next to the windows. Right, right. So that, it's literally just getting sucked out of the window, you know. Um, so that was, it was already on my radar. 
you know, I knew they were old windows, but none of them were broken. So I was like, ah, you know, at some point they'll get replaced. But then he jumped out with that and I, you know, thought about it and it's put me in a shitty spot because it's like, okay, I'm the landlord. I care about, you know, the house and the numbers and whatever. It's got two gas boilers. The tenants pay their own heat. The heat's not that efficient. It really shouldn't matter that much to me. But when it comes down to keeping a tenant, a, a good tenant who is taking great care of the, the apartment they've been in for five years, like I went through their unit and it's beautiful and they've, you know, taken good care of it the whole time. It's like... They've made improvements to the place as Exactly. Well. They've done their own improvements and, you know, that's just something that... It, it's worth my while and especially after jack and the run up on on a nice family too that's always sucks so i was like okay you know i'll get quotes for just the i'll get it for all of it i'll get it for one floor for the other floor i was like maybe one year i put some money aside for the one maybe one year i put some money aside for the other and then you know the thing with doing something like a project like this is you have a, a mobilization, a demobilization, going to the store, picking up the equipment, like all of these costs that are associated per job that get, you pay twice. Yeah, you get all those costs doubled if right. you try to spread it out. So, And that's that's to say that, you know, prices of material don't skyrocket again when I want to do it again or, you know, whatever it is. It just, to me, I was... I was in a good spot that, you know, I'd bought this place. I had my reserves past where I wanted them to be. And I I was okay with spending, you know, around a certain amount on, on some windows. Cause I, I had no idea what, what windows would cost. What was your first ballpark you thought it would be? I was thinking like, I was hoping under 12 and, but I was thinking that like maybe around five. <laughs> I was like, you know, in that like five to 12 range, you know, because I had no idea. I'd never replaced, I don't, I didn't know how much windows cost. I didn't know if you could get cheaper ones or, you know, I didn't know anything about windows. And we're talking thousands here, five to 12,000. Right. For all these windows. And so got quote number one, all, all these were from friends. You know, I, I put it on Facebook and let some guys know who, who work with, you know, houses and whatever i was like hey do you know a window guy hey do you know a window guy so i got a couple i had three people four people that i reached out to him so guy number one he comes out and really nice guy has all the demo windows in his back and he's a salesman for a real company and i'm like shit like that my buddy told me like this was his buddy like i thought it was gonna be like you know a, that guy you know not the the salesman of a big window company. So I I knew this one was going to be expensive. He was in the house for a long time yeah, too. Yeah, he, he took all the measurements, you know, he he had his tablet out and, you know, they have a formula where they'll do them together and he finished up and he came up to me and he was like, "All right, Jake, like this is uh this is it." And he shows it to me and it's $26,000 and I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, like no, like I'm, my answer to him was just like, no, like it was like, I'm, and he's like, well, you know, I could give you 20% off or, you know, whatever that we all know you set the anchor and then you kick off of that. And it's, it worked kind of, it was like, oh, it was 26,000. Now it's 20,000. That's way cheaper. 
but like still 20,000 was a ton. In that price, though, was he was also going to cap all the windows as well, which, you know, still really expensive, but you got to think of that as another at least 150 per window service. Yeah, never having to paint them or and never having to paint time. them again. It could be worth that. Guy number two, I texted him. He texted me back. He said like 680 bucks a window, like just straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I did the math and I think that broke down to like, you know, 16 to 18,000. I forget what the number was, but he was like 680 a window unless they're weird sized. And it's like all mine were kind of weird. So it would have been more expensive. My guess was his was going to come in around 18000 I should have that dude do my windows then. I had two of them. <laughs> and then you'd be done. yeah. Then I had two more guys. This was funny. So um, but one guy was from one friend and another guy was from another friend. I had them both coming out to see the place the same day. We I tried to kind of mix their times a little bit by like an hour. But the one guy came and he's like, hey... My partner is also coming here, and it turned out that these guys who are partners and do business together were both separately recommended to me by two different individuals. Who didn't know each other. Who didn't know each other, who just, it, it was just like a weird coincidence. So these guys both come out at the same time, they're partners, and they work together. So they do their estimate together, and he came back to me, and he was like, Jake, you buy the windows, I, I can get a good price for the windows because I know the guy who sells the windows. He's like, that'll be like... The first check I wrote him was for 6400 bucks, and that covered all the windows. And then the total cost that he, he gave me was 10600 So what's that? Two, uh, like ten two or four two on top of it? Yeah, 4200 in materials, you know, divided by 26. I think it broke down to about 150 in labor per window, which, you know, I'm... I was like, word, like that, that's the guy. Like, and the, these guys were really nice guys. The, the main guy, Matt, who it's his business. He has been house hacking and living in a triplex for like 10 years in Souderton and just growing his business, which is just awesome. We're, we're friends now. Like I, I already told him I want to have him on the podcast. So hopefully we'll get him on at some point. But so these guys are coming out, you know, I, I paid for the windows 6400 he ordered them and they should be coming in you know towards the end of september and then he said they'd they'd get on it as soon as possible so hopefully before the winter um they'll all be in and then so that that's 10 grand it's it's funny too like i've ten thousand dollars being spent on something is like is more than i've spent on literally anything besides a house in my life and it's just like yeah like i guess i need new windows like i guess i'm gonna spend ten thousand dollars which is just crazy Imagine some people do spend that 26k the guy record like quote a ton that. of them do yeah it's crazy right like that's the more normal thing to do and that guy was giving me 20 percent off imagine <laughs> the rich guys but so so that's happening and then the only thing we've really done so far inside here has been the hardwood floors that was a process and i hate doing hardwood floors now but they turned out really cool if you saw the pictures on of them from instagram the before it looked like they had never been finished in the middle looks like they had rugs on them in the center they finished around and then the rugs were removed and then it was just it was a mess and then when the stain went on it got soaked up by the unfinished part like twice as much so it looks super dark but 
yeah all said and done like these these floors look the place make the make the place look amazing like it's night and day because before it kind of looked like an average apartment you know mm-hmm. it didn't look like anything special but once the floors were finished you guys moved in the decor set up you know it went from like a 950 a month apartment to like a 1200 a month right. apartment just from a little bit of like i mean not a little bit of work but you know it's just a little bit of work like truly like it's really like not and and that's the the difference between like the decorations and like yeah. making it homey and like when we're done we still have the bathroom and the kitchen to to finish up but like when we're done i'm gonna take a video or i don't know if i'm gonna do pictures or whatever but i'm gonna put a price tag on everything in this house and it'll blow your freaking mind because like all like most of the shit in our houses has been like on the side of the road like curb fines face if it wasn't a curb find, it was Facebook Marketplace for like one thing. It was Amazon, you know, we got a, a good deal on that. Like it's, you can do it well. It just takes time and do it cheaply and efficiently and it takes time. But it's that same like manifest and like. Oh, well, just like keeping your eyes open. For to opportunity yeah. always. Like if you're always looking for opportunity and something that will make your house look more valuable, if you're always looking for that free opportunity or that cheap thing well think about in satterton when you bought that duplex the kitchen was super small and like you had that one corner you didn't know what to do with that was crazy on the way we're driving furniture back we stop and see a like like a desk or a table or something that was was literally a corner table yeah that like was someone custom sawed the edges off and like made to fit in the corner of a room and like is literally the only thing that could fit in that kitchen. And like on the day of moving, me and Caleb were driving there and it just was on the side of the road. And we almost lost it because somebody didn't <laughs> want to strap it down first. Fuck a strap <laughs> did we end up strapping it or we did, did I just put it more solid? No, it almost, it literally fell halfway out the truck and we stopped and I ran out and strapped it real quick. Yeah. So yeah, that's like, that's the, that's manifesting for real. And like the, But yeah, so going back to the floors, um, so I got, I wanted to get the orbital sander because like the floors were already pretty rough, but they weren't like warped, like the nails weren't bad. It was literally just like the finish on them was bad. So I didn't want to use the belt sander and take, you know, a quarter of an inch off of these floors. I didn't want to do that. So I went to get the orbital guy at Home Depot was a dick and he was like, oh, you know, the orbital's here, but it's being rented out tomorrow morning. And it was like Saturday morning. They're renting it out Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm literally only renting it for four hours. I'll have it back here in four hours. And he's like, nope, it won't let me rent it out. I'm like, dude, that stinks. So, but they had a like a, a rectangular orbital one. I forget how what the term is, but like it just had like big pads on it. So I was, I was like, will this work? And he's like, because I've... First, I was asking him, which one do you think is better? And he's telling me all the reasons why the orbital one's the better <laughs> one. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, oh, actually, that one's not available. Can I interest you in this piece of shit one that I've mentioned nothing about? And it's like, sure. So I use that one, and it, it works good. And and something that he, he recommended to me, and I would re- definitely recommend this to anyone else, get more than what you're going to need. Like, get more sandpaper, get more pads, get more stain, you know, whatever it is, because you got to go back anyway. And he's like, you know, 
you can just return all of this stuff that you don't use instead of having to be shit out of luck when you're when you're there. So I started out 36 grit, you know, and really ripped up the floors, just went, did like two goes around the whole place with this 36 grit. Then I did one go with 60 grit, one go with 80 grit, and one with 120 grit. That was all the bulk. And it could get pretty close to the edges, but I still had, you know, two or three inches. I ended up I had my hand sander, but I didn't bring my freaking charger for my batteries. Mm-hmm. I had all my batteries, but no charger. So I, Caleb brought over his corded one. I was able to do all the the edges. And then once the edges were done and everything was sanded, took a vacuum, you know, vacuumed everything up. Then I took paint thinner or mineral spirits or whatever, put it on a mop and just wiped down all the floors, tried to get all the dust and debris, anything that was left over and just, you know, clean it up and then put my first coat of stain on. So that would all happened in a day, uh, in like half a day. You know, I returned the sander and I, I hit the four hour mark. And this is for one, two, three rooms, about 600 square feet, maybe a little more. Um, so I, I hit my four hour mark with that, came back, cleaned it up and stained it. I was here pretty late staining it, but Got it done probably around 11 or 12 at night. And then um, during all that, I made sure that I taped up all the floor outlets. So that's important. I'd definitely recommend. Yeah, these outlets are like actually on the floor. Yeah, like in the hardwood floors. So yeah, I just put some tape over them so that they didn't get just a bunch du- of stain and dust inside yeah, of them. dump a bunch of resin right into yeah, the outlet. Can't be good. So I got a pretty dark stain which I wasn't sold on. It was like there was three colors of stain available at Home Depot. I FaceTimed Kayla, and I was like, look, this is what we got. She wanted the dark one. That's the one I was leaning towards. I was like, word. So I get it over here, and I would stained a lot. Like, I went to school for painting. We The freshman year, we refinished a lot of furniture. Like, alumni would bring in, like, desks and chairs and shit like that. And, you know, it was our class, and we would just strip them down sand them down, stain them, polyurethane them. Like, I, I've done this process before, but I've never done floors. And so I'm putting the stain on, like, a, a mop. Like, because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's oil-based. You know, it's self-leveling. It is, you know. And it's so not. Like, it, it isn't at all. Like, the what's nice about stain and with furniture and finishing woods is, like, you can go over a spot again and make it darker. Or you can go over it light and make it lighter. And like, if you just mop it onto the floor, it looks like shit. And that's what I did. <laughs> like, I was like, I was, like, and I was like, no, you know, it'll, it'll be fine. And, you know, I came back the next day. I left that night and I was like, all that work, it looks like shit, but maybe it'll dry better. <laughs> and I got here the next day. So now it's Sunday and I'm like, all right, um, yeah, this is worse. Like, it looked worse. I was so pissed off. I was like, I just, you know, spent all this money, I think, all in for, you know, renting the sander, the sandpaper, getting the stain, the polyurethane, and all that stuff. It was probably about 400 bucks. And I was like, dude, I just threw away 400 bucks, and I'm going around. At first, I tried, oh, maybe if I wipe it with the paint thinner, it'll kind of, like, thin out in the spots that were too heavy or look whatever that didn't work and then i was like well i mean i probably got to sand 
stain, put more stain on anyway. So I'm just going to sand it. And like I spent most of that day sanding all the heavy spots with my hand sander because I already returned the other sander. (laughs) So, and then another part was that those spots that Caleb was saying that soaked up all the stain, they, they soaked up all the stain. So they looked so much darker than the rest of the room. When you like looked at it after the first stain, it was clear as day, the lines between where it was finished before and unfinished. And the unfinished just sucked up so much yeah. more stain. It was so obvious. Yeah. So I was like almost kind of getting like artistic and like feathering with my sander the spots, like trying to draw the attention away from the lines that those carpets, that unfinished line, I was trying to draw the eye away from that. So I was like, you know, really sanding one spot that goes through and passing where that line was on some and not quite passing it on others. And, you know, did this with three rooms on my hands and knees, just like covered in stain, just pissed off, not knowing if I was going to work. And then I only had a little bit left of stain left. And I was like, I got to make all this work. So like I feathered in that next coat of stain and was like, you know, I got done that and still didn't feel like I fixed it. Like I was like, it looks better, but I didn't fix it. And uh, just like, all right, well, I got to let this dry. So I let that dry for another day or so. I had the fans on it. No, it was just another day. And then started with the oil-based polyurethane. And the first coat of that, I kind of slopped on like a mop as well. Um, it didn't look that great. I was like, I was wrong on the the stain. Now I remember, but the polyurethane. <laughs> this time th- that's self leveling. Like that's the and it, it isn't. I mean, it it is, but it's not. Like you can see the finishes. Like you can see where your brush stroke ended. Like it's not going to just go flat. So I did the first coat. It looked better. Didn't look great. I was like, all right. So waited a night, did a light sand, 220 over the whole thing, wiped it all up, did my second coat. And that was, this was the first time that I was going the whole length of the boards. Like I was cutting in the amount that I was going to do, finishing a certain length, like from one end of the room to the other, all in one swipe. So it was all mint, as, as good as I could get it. And I came back the next day and that it looked so much better like it was like night and day like the the finish of it just looked so much better so i did a third coat and and that was just the cherry on top the cherry on top the the, the second coat it was good the third to- coat was like excessive but necessary because now i feel like with that extra coat of protection i have the ability in between tenants in between the normal wear and tear to come in, put a light buff on the polyurethane and put another coat of polyurethane, spend 50 bucks and a night instead of, you know, getting a belt sander, going down to the, you know, restaining everything and doing all that. So that was that. And it, it really did suck. Like, uh, refinishing hardwood floors sucks. People, I've heard a lot of stuff about like, you know, water-based is better than oil-based because you can, do, it'll dry quicker and it doesn't stink as bad. Like you don't get high. I got so high the second day. Like it since I've been sober, it was the highest I've been. Like for sure. Like I, I was just like giggly and 
like I was honestly worried about driving home like after the one night of like painting with this stuff and um but it's it's a really the oil base everything that I've heard it's it it's a more solid product and it lasts longer but the water based is much more user friendly more forgiving well it's just like oil based and water based paint for right. the walls you know right like yeah sure like that kills primer we use you can put it on anything but it's just like a bitch to use right but it's protects everything yeah. it's like so yeah yeah i think that holds true true and i used the um the lamb's wool skins or what i i forget i don't know how you call them but they're like little mops you put on a a block of wood that's how i applied everything um, it looks like a Swiffer wet mop, but like lamb skin. Right. And it's like skin. Like it's not just the fur. It's like <laughs> the skin and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. But that was that. And then the only other thing, you know, Kayla did a crap ton of cleaning. We hung pictures. I replaced all the outlets and switches. And I actually put fancy um, outlet covers, like put like stuff that had uh, character. Like, you know, you can buy them for. 90 cents but these ones were like five bucks and i was like they're metal and they're like bronze and black and they i think they look sharp and they you know am i gonna get a return on that money no but it matches the wood a lot better than like the white plastic wood yeah they're they're nice but it's just one of those things that like probably didn't make the most financial sense but like i'm happy that i did it anyway (laughs) so little things yeah and then so that's that's it. The only things we have left is the bathroom. Uh, we're getting a new vanity and like, you know, the new shower head and whatever. Um, putting a little bit of flooring down, painting it, putting a, a fan, an exhaust fan in the in the bathroom. Are you just going to go straight out or are you going to try and like vent that up to like. No, I'm going roof? straight out because th- that's just the asbestos. Yeah. If it was brick, I would have been more like try to find a vent somewhere to go to but i can just put a hole in the asbestos and seal it up like that'll be good to go so that's the plan that's the bathroom that really shouldn't take too much time or money you know maybe another 300 bucks um maybe four if we're getting crazy and then the kitchen we decided to keep the floor originally we were planning on replacing the flooring but once we cleaned it up, it's actually in really good shape. Got a, we're literally just going to paint and do some spackling. The We might be putting a, a new light up there. It has like those big, what do you call them? Like the, oh. Like they're like an office light. Like the tubes. The big tubes. I forget now. And they're really, it's really good lighting for the kitchen, but it just looks like you're in a, the office. So we were thinking about putting something nice. We put... Uh, three ceiling fans, you know, one in the dining room, one in the living room, and one in our bedroom, which made a big difference, cooled it down. You got to have ceiling fans. If you don't got them, you got to get them. Yeah, ceiling fans are definitely the move. So yeah, so far, and I think with what we're expecting to spend, you know, I'd probably say close to three grand in on everything so far. And that not including the the windows, which you know another ten thousand six hundred. But that's honestly the windows. Even though I'm kind of lumping it in with the rehab, it's a capital expenditure. It's one of those things that like eventually over long long term we'll probably need to get done. Like 
close to a roof, even though they're not like these windows have been there for a hundred years. Yeah. Which is like, I just got the short end of the stick, but because of the purchase price, I don't feel that way. You know, if, yeah. You could have done those windows six times and still had a good deal. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really coming together. Definitely happy with it. We got the, the washer and dryer installed downstairs. So now both sets of tenants can use that. Can't forget about uh, Seth's event that pop, popped up. We had the networking event at Seth's wife's family's wedding venue. The place is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the location was awesome. Matt Faircloth came and gave uh, a keynote. Seth gave him, had like sort of a, an interview set up where he just asked the questions and then, you know, opened it up the floor for Matt to talk to everybody, ask their questions for him. It was cool to see his perspective. Yeah. He, him and his partners managed was a thirteen hundred units, mm-hmm. so you know it's a much different ball game than what we're in right now mm-hmm. with the small single uh, multifamily. And you know he was just kind of giving his opinions on the economy, politics, all that kind of stuff has been going on since COVID and all that. So cool to see his opinion. Um, the event itself, you know, it, it was the first one. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot of changes on how it was all done, but you know, all in all, it was pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It, there was what would you say, like between 20 and 30 guys there. It was like 22. 22. We had a lot of guys who listen to the podcast, who are our friends, you know, show up and support, and it was really a cool time to network. It what ha- what had happened was my guess, you know. There was a lot of people looking to get started. Yeah. Which is great. You know, looking to get started, that's the place to be. Um, But what had happened was, you know, if I say I'm hosting an event and it's 50 bucks for you to come, if you're the experienced person and you're going to be the one who's coming and bringing value to the event, spending 50 bucks to be that guy where there's a bunch of new people who just want to learn from you, like... A lot of people who are experienced do want to give back, but they don't want to have to pay yeah, to give pay back. Yeah, money to give back, yeah. So what that does is it makes this separation of like, okay, there's not going to be any experienced people that are going to pay to come to this event because why, you know, why would they? Yeah. And so there was a ton of people who were just starting out, which was cool. You know, me and Caleb, you know, we both have a deal or a th- couple deals and like, we were the experienced ones. Yeah. Which was a little goofy and that's not necessarily what I was hoping for. I, you know, you surround you want to surround yourself with people doing bigger things more than you so you can, you know, aspire to be that way and when you're the big dog. Oh yeah, Cody had definitely the most units. Yeah. by like a huge margin. Right. Which is so, funny. So, and and what was cool about Matt, so like, well, to go back, like it it was still a really great event. Met a lot of cool guys. Met a lot of guys getting started and like people who are starting their wholesaling business. People who are starting becoming realtors. People who are working a certain job, but they, you know, everyone's got their strength. And we talked about this on Seth's episode, but like it was really cool. And it was funny with Matt, his, I had talked to him in the beginning before his, uh, before the presentation, everything, when everyone was just eating and talking and whatever. And I told him a little bit about myself, you know, like I had some questions and, you know, what would you do here? You know, what are you thinking there? 
And, you know, he told, he was like, I don't want you to take offense to this. But he was like, you have created like another job for yourself. It's not a business. And I took that and I was like, well, he's a hundred percent right. I, I would rather have this as my second job and I don't want it to be a business. And like, which, you know, it could be seen as like an easy cop out or whatever, but like truly, I guess like, I don't know. That's semantics. I think right. Purely semantics, but it's, it is and it isn't like when you have like a, a, a well, a well oiled machine where you can step away from and it does whatever you, you want know, it to do. The amount of businesses like that is so low. You know what I'm saying? Like right. most businesses are just trash. Right. And like it's just got one guy at the top working 90 hour weeks to hold the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. It's bursting at the seams. That's like most businesses in the country. So like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I guess, but it's not like a, it, I, I think he thinks of it more as like a hundred percent passive right. is what he considers a business. Yes. And like, that's that, not what I want. I mean, yeah. at later in life, I would love to, if I want to be passive, I have that choice to be passive. Um, but with how I'm running stuff now, it, and it was funny, you know, he, he was telling us about the 1300 units that his company owns and that they don't use their own money and they raise other people's money. And it's like, would you rather have 1% of a hundred or a hundred percent of one? It's like, me personally, I'd rather have a hundred percent of one. He is more on the thing that I'd rather have one percent of one hundred. And like the for some people, it's like, and I guess for most people, you can scale more, so you can have one percent of a thousand or one percent of a thousand is better than a hundred percent of one. Yeah, well, it depends. because then it's ten. It entirely depends on what what's going on, like how you can contribute. The, the situation you've got set up, like how you, he created a business with real estate investing. That's his whole thing is that yeah. his partners get together. They all do their job to, you know, do the pipeline of real estate from acquisition to sales and everything in between. And then they just get a bunch of other people to hop on the bandwagon with their money so they can then leverage that and then do more with their team. Yeah. And like, and that makes sense. Like, you know, doing something like that allows more people to invest their money. People have money to invest. You know, there was just an opportunity, supply and demand. It all makes sense there. But and, and it allows more people to do what they want to be doing, Yeah, which I, I get that part of the business as well. Like he likes doing this one certain part of things. It's what feels light, what feels heavy, you know, and it's like if you just do the things that you actually like doing. You're never actually working, but at the same time, it's like, but you're still working in a business. I still think it's an entirely different ball game though, because if you look at the, the apples to oranges of comparing small multifamily to his large multifamily, like one of the places had 360 something units. That is literally like a compound that has staff. Right. And full-time staff that are on a salary that is, are being paid every year versus we take our discretionary income to save up to buy duplex once a year that we fix ourselves that we go on Facebook marketplace to put a tenant in. Right. It's so different. The fact that like, they're still like, they're both quote unquote real estate. is just, you know, right. It, it that's just, the only thing that's tying them together is the that somebody blanket lives, stain. lives yeah. in there. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think 
it's comparable. It's entirely different. I mean, there's so many analogies you can come up of to, to go on. But like, technically, he's right. We're making more work for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, that's the whole point. Right. You know, we're investing our time and money to snowball our income mm-hmm. to no longer be wage slaves. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the one. I know that's funny, but like, that's for real. Like, I don't want to be a wage slave. The... um. But yeah, no, it was it was a really cool event, and like it's cool that he's a local guy. Like I'd yeah. love to, you know, meet oh. up with him. But it was funny. He's like, yeah, like the only reason I went out to breakfast with Seth is because he sent me like an action figure, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like that's so crazy. Like that's how I become this guy's friend by sending yeah. him a toy. But I would love to get to talk to him more because I of course got I was late to the event because I got pulled over on my way there. That sucked. And then um yeah, and then that definitely gave us the bug for getting more of these getting this more like well getting this more tuned together kind of more thought out more planned out and just done a little bit with more intent on just getting people who know more about real estate in like in connection with people who want to get started right and then just mesh those together without trying to you know make anything off it ourselves Mm -hmm. like the only thing we want is just the value that everyone else is looking for as well. Just connection through other people. We're not yeah. trying to like, you know, profit office, except the merch, buy the merch. But uh. <laughs> but even, even the merch that we're, you know, profiting off of is what we're trying to use yeah, just to a, make the events better. Yeah. Like to uh, have a pizza there and have like soda or whatever. Like it, the numbers broke down that like if we sold... 12 if we bought 12 t-shirts they cost 16 bucks so at each one you know we're making four bucks we sell 24 it goes down to like 12 so that now it's like eight bucks each and you know we sell 24 of them let's say 20 of them you know it's 100 160 bucks and now that lets us buy a couple pizzas a couple like we can maybe buy some do like a raffle for something like seth did like that and that's it. Like that's, you know, it doesn't need to be any more than that. It doesn't. But what was funny when we were sitting there, or when I was sitting there, and there people are raising their hands in the back and you know asking questions, and I'm sitting back like because my experience is in you know the twelve step fellowship, you know, getting sober and stuff like that, and I'm just relating them so much. Like I'm, it's just like getting flashbacks. To literally, just, it, it's the same. Everyone's collected here with the same, a similar. You know, no one has the same total goal, but similar goals that financial independence or being sober will bring to you. You know, how are you doing it? What are you doing? And like the person that's brand new, you know, that they all have that same feeling. They they're still working their nine to five. They're still you know. Slaving away and are struggling to save money to get a down payment or whatever. And then you've got the people with a bunch of years clean and have a bunch of deals and a bunch of doors. And they're at a point where, like, they just like coming and telling funny stories and, like, you know, helping out the new guys. Helping out the new guys. And, like, the, a place where those guys can mesh, you know, I think has real potential. I just know the amount that those meetings helped me get to one goal now taking the same principles and putting it towards a a different goal 
And I think, like Caleb was saying, like it's not this big, like, you know, we're trying to benefit. It's like, I think a lot of people can benefit from this if if it's done right. So that's... And we talked about it a lot on the last one about the group mentality thing where, you know, especially how you motivate yourself when you feel accountable to a, a you know a bigger group of people rather than just yourself like personally myself i feel different doing things when i know that i'm involved with other people about it you know that's just kind of like how things how things are and I, I think that could really help out especially new people you know it's so easy to be like oh yeah i want to get started in real estate watch a bunch of youtube videos listen to some podcasts get hype about it and then like get lost back in the ocean of day-to-day life and then yep. just and never get started and then you know do that next thing buy that new car get in that new relation you know whatever it is that like a lot of people can't pinpoint the reason that they didn't get started in real estate investing it was just life showed up you know and now it's like come to this thing once a month like be a part of this community that like people are going to ask you like did you get started yet? How is your savings going? Oh, the reason you haven't started is because of your savings. How's that going from the last time you talked about it? Like, did you save more or did you like, you start like breaking it down? Did you, you know, you don't want to feel like a loser every time you go there that like kept missing his mark, kept saying the opposite of what he was trying to do. Or like, you know, if you get stuck on something specific, like you're unable to figure out how to budget correctly, you know, with your, specific life problems or whatever you could talk about it and then you know i'm sure someone else will have something similar and then you know they could help you out so i think that's having the strength in numbers can really help out because this this whole game of just saving up your discretionary income to buy real estate is um you know a lone wolf game so if we could turn that back into you know a pack mentality of just helping each other out i think we could all benefit yeah and like people like i feel like in the ideal world it's like yeah and there'll be a bunch of people there with a ton of cash and yeah there's gonna be a bunch of people there with a ton of experience and a bunch of deals and a bunch of deals and it's like that's probably not going to be the case but there's at least going to be more people in the same situation as you that like oh did you go see this house you know we talked about on the last episode but it's just having that community and in person dedicating we've all been locked away for how long now it's time to get out there and start talking to people yeah i don't know like you've been going to work i've been working from home Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's not good for your mental (laughs) health but i'm not ever going back though (laughs) yeah so no i i think that that's a good part of it too i just i still you know i still like seeing people so No, I think we're still trying to plan it out, all the specifics about it, get all like how we want to get it done. But our main goal is just to make it as easy as possible for as many people to show up. That's pretty much it. That's it. So keep an eye out for the meetups on social media. We'll be posting as soon as we can. Of course, the shirts keep an eye out as well. I'm hype about getting the shirts. I need new shirts. I need them double XLs. But Keep an eye out for those because we'll be putting them out there. We put we put some work into them. You know, we're trying to make them as good as as nice as possible. So you know, keep an eye out. And of course, all it does is just help us fund new things to get more people involved with. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. No, the the only other thing I wanted to put in on this one, you know, I wanted to recap with Dion because of his binder method. But 
we wanted to talk about that real quick before we sign off because I did what he told me to do. I took the comps of like pretty much 10 miles from here, you know, all the the available apartments that are for rent that were similar, you know, for this one is a two bed, one bath, but it's actually a four bed, one bath. If I put space heaters up, like it has the space, blah, blah, blah. So I just did it as a two bed, one bath. And what my comps told me, my median rent price, market rent for where we're at, 1600 bucks. Tenants were paying 800 bucks. So that's a huge jump. And they've taken really great care of the property. I showed them the binder. I showed them all the comparables, explained everything to them, and was like, I just, this, if you guys had to leave today, it would cost you 1600 If you want to stay, it's going to cost 1350 And then, you know, when we live somewhere, we give a, at least at the last, not all these places, we've given a discount on the rent, and then we'll hop on someone else's Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, like, they've got Wi-Fi, I give them 25 bucks a month, now we use their Wi-Fi. It's, with the up and down duplexes, it works pretty good. So... That's what we're bringing in. It's the thirteen twenty-five. The because a five hundred and twenty-five dollar difference, right? After going through and like you know, sure there was like I guess arguments to be made. You didn't have to go all in with these specific people because you know they knew they were so far under mm-hmm. the market. But you know, it definitely didn't hurt putting the effort in to like really hammer the point home that they were like extremely underpaying, right? The what the market is right now. So you know that. I've marked that as success for yeah. the binder method, you know. Yeah, it, it, and it, and that's the thing. Like, if honestly, like they're very reasonable people, like a very nice family. It's like I could have not shown them the binder and asked for the same thing and told them that it, the market rent was sixteen hundred, and it probably would have had the same results. But it was good practice for me. I learned something. I learned about a little bit more of the market. They probably did too. Like I, they kept a copy. They were able to see like, oh, if I want to move to wherever, it's costs this much more. Yeah, save them the steps of being like, all right, time to move out, and they yeah. go look up everywhere. Like, never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and, and I told them too that like we're we're gonna keep them on a month to month. If you find something cheaper, you know, go there. That's that's fine. Like, uh, if you go somewhere cheaper, I'll rent this for more money. Um. And that that's what what it came down to, and it, I think it it works out well with with where we're at. You know, I'm paying eleven sixty a month. We're living here for free. We're now cash flowing from the old units. Like, it's good. The like, snowballs rolling. The snowballs are rolling. So it it's working out, and I don't have to be like you know chasing the top dollar to this. Yeah, squeezing every penny out, pretty much. Yeah, and. Cause like we could, talked about that before, like yeah. we've literally talked about that on the podcast, like how, oh my word, it's so crazy. These landlords like aren't even close to market rent or like yeah. aren't charging. And it's like, that's where it can get to like, you know, you, what's the cost of the headache? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, how much does that headache cost of turning it around of a, a nasty eviction or something like that? Or like, just like a, a short turnover time with market rent every year you get market rent, but every year you turn over, like right. you're going to, you're you'd be better off being a couple hundred under, you know, keep somebody for, you know, five, 10 years. Yep. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they're onto something, but not that half market. Right. Right. The half's too much, but you know, a little cheaper, never killed nobody. So no, man, 
that was cool. We've got some we've got some cool people lined up. It's been it's been crappy organizing with uh, with more people on the podcast because we've been so busy. So it's like it's either happening tonight or like I don't have another free night that I can tell you about. It's like either I'm free right this second, let's do a podcast or not. So now we're getting a little more serious, blocking off some real time. Now it's you know. We've got the the setup all permanent and everything. So yeah, guys, again, really appreciate it. Sorry again for for coming out a little late. We'll try to be back on the the, the grind, the grind, the normal routine. So thanks and uh, peace, peace.